Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Kind of start out this week's report with a discussion with the retailers on how crops are doing in their area. Uh, talked with Jeff up in Wilmington at Ritchie Grain and he said corn is in full pollination up there. Uh, the beans are now starting to recover from the rains they had from three to five inches in their rain events and slowed those beans down. They're now starting to recover. Not a lot of replant going on up there from the beans. They were The ponds did look rough, but most of them didn't have to be replanted. Move on over there into Livingston County, talking with Jeff up there at Trainer Grain. Uh, again, pollination is off and running there. Not all the fields are pollinated, but they're coming along pretty good. The beans, he said, are finally starting to recover from their monsoons, where they picked up, in some cases, up to 15 inches in that 12-14 day period. Many of the ponds did get replanted, in some cases replanted three times. That's kind of a tough deal, but those Livingston County farmers, they just don't give up. They keep swinging. Fred over Donovan says the crops uh, look really good over there as well, and they're actually running maybe a little on the dry side. So things look good, but they don't have a surplus. Um, they are dealing with some heavy Japanese beetle in the uh, soybean fields, so they're trying to maybe catch them with their fungicide applications to slow them down, but uh, kind of a surprising numbers there. Talk with Mark over Sun Ag in Taswell County. He said corn's in full bore pollination or finished up, uh, and they're sitting on a surplus of water. Uh, they actually picked up anywhere from two and a half, three inches last night in that event that came through. He said he is seeing some nitrogen issues in low ground in certain fields. The Japanese beetle pressure is uh, surprisingly strong in some of their bean fields as well, and they're having to deal with it. He said gray leaf pressure is noticeably ratcheting up, especially in the susceptible hybrids, and <clears throat> they're seeing a lot of uh, uh, hocus spot in the corn, and I'm seeing that in a lot of other areas too, more hocus spot this year than we've seen in the past. Remember though, hocus spot is a bacteria, so don't count the hocus spot into your um, when you're scouting for the fungicide. So don't put it into your threshold figures there because the fungicide's not gonna do anything for that. In farm visits this week, uh, I got the opportunity to go up in an airplane in McLean County. I love going up in an airplane this time of year as the tassels are starting to push out because you can really dial in on what kind of uniformity you have. I saw a ton of nice fields from the air. This year, uh, it's one of those years where it looks as good from the air as it does from the ground. You see a lot of solid fields. Most of the fields are showing very uniform tasseling from corner to corner. Uh, and because most fields are uniform, the ones that aren't uniform kind of stick out from the air. So you could see some of the sins of the spring up there. Uh, some of the fields that got worked wet and we have wheel track issues at an angle across the field. Uh, you could pick those out because those areas aren't pollinating on time with the rest of the field. I uh, did see some um, fields from the air, a uh, few, not many, that were starting to show nitrogen deficiency problems. Fields that are running out of nitrogen at pollination become very expensive. Now, there are going to be uh, substantial yield losses in those. The good news is it was only a few field or an occasional field that would draw your eyes to it. So what that means, it's not a weather-induced situation, it's more of a management-induced. So that deficiency is based on whatever management that particular farmer had implemented on that field, unlike the widespread issues we had with nitrogen deficiency, for instance, in 2015. 
This is a reason why I think it's a good idea to see your crop from the air, whether it's imagery or whether it's a drone or whether you got a friend with an airplane to get up there and look at it so you don't miss that. Now, hopefully your scouts that are out there in the field, they would catch that before you could see it from the air. Remember, nitrogen deficiency starts at the bottom of the plant, works its way to the top. So you're in a serious situation by the time you see it at the top itself. But I think that's one of the reasons why you want to get some imagery and you want to be on top of that. You don't want to be that guy with the yellow cornfield in the neighborhood. Down in Pyatt County, um, we did find another field that was double traded that had rootworm beetle damage to the leaves and had substantial rootworm damage to the root system. And we did a, a saltwater float and we were able to actually float both pupa and larva out of those fields, which that basically tells us we have resistance uh, and that resistance pressure is there. So that's another field that we picked that up in. So for the pest teams, let's stay on top of this, uh, on top of this rootworm issue. Uh, as Don't let this sneak up on you and all of a sudden we've got down corn and we don't know where it come from. So as you start to see in this case, the grower was going to take that field out of corn on corn and put it back into soybeans, try to knock that pressure down. We know that rootworm probably has about a two-mile movement. So it's, it's a neighborhood thing more than it is just a specific field thing that we have to pay attention to. This corn is moving along like a freight train. Uh, it's amazing. Many fields are totally pollinated in that three to four day window. Now this is really good for ear retention or tip retention at the end. With this amazing pollination, not only is the first year getting pollinated, but the second year in a lot of fields is getting pollinated as well. Now it does change by population, does change by hybrid, but we're seeing a lot of second ears that are pollinated to the tip. And in many cases, the second ear may even be close to the same size and maturity as the first ear. Getting calls in about that, many growers actually getting excited about that, seeing that big second ear coming on. Well, don't buy the matching jet skis just yet. This rapid second ear growth will work against us. We want that second ear to abort sooner than later. The larger that second ear uh, gets, the longer it hangs on, the more nutrients it's going to pull from the main ear. And as I look at these fields, I see enough plant health and I see enough moisture that I don't think these second ears are going to abort till we're well into milk or early dose stage. Once they abort, they start to rot. So the bigger they are, the more rot we deal with. Now we have a diseased ear that is hooked like an IV into the corn stalk and that causes stock quality issues at the node below the main ear and we start to deal with the tops of that plant breaking out later this fall as we go to finish. Now some of them will abort two-thirds of that second ear and they'll hang on to a third so you'll have a little bit of grain at the base of that ear maybe on one side. That's better than rotting because it eliminates some of the stock quality issues that we got to deal with but at the same time, the nutrients that are wasted in that ear should have went in your main ear. And a lot of time, if we put grain on the second ear, we can't get it to stay um, between the stripper plates, meaning it's going to pass on through and we have to kill it uh, for next year. Now, a lot of seeing a lot of gray leaf out there um, in, in the fields and the pressure starting to build. I am impressed as I do these farm visits. Most growers now have a list of their susceptible and non-susceptible genetics. And that tells me we're paying attention to the right things. Definitely the susceptible genetics are showing more pressure, especially in the corn on corn. But spraying uh, to keep the GLS in check will help in these fields that are going to throw that second ear. So if we got a lot of second ear abortion, 
uh, spraying for the uh, GLS will give us stock quality issues and better stock quality that we can deal with later uh, in itself. I wouldn't just spray for the double ear, but in spraying for the GLS, that may be one reason to uh, go ahead and do the actual application. Talking about fungicides, many growers are commenting on when will these beans get to R3. Uh, they're waiting to apply the fungicide. Of course, we talk about R3. That's when you're going to find 3 16ths of a pod on the upper four trifoliates. Now, typically, we have flat pods at the base when we get to R3. Growers are finding the pods at the base of the plant, but we're not finding any at the top four nodes where we should find that 3 16th of a pod. Well, that's because these beans are still in R2. R2 is the front end of rapid growth for a soybean. These beans are adding trifoliates at a pretty good clip each week. That's why you're not seeing pod development in those upper nodes because we're adding nodes to it all the time. Plant height in a soybean is usually around 50% at R2. So these waist-high R2 beans... We're, we're going to be awful big come fall. So start setting your sights on the fact that we could have shoulder high or higher beans uh, out of this in the fall, the way these beans are growing. Now those fields that are under pressure from the Japanese beetle, it may be better to go ahead and push your fungicide timing uh, to, get the, to get that beetle if you're suffering from defoliation there. The water hampers starting to stick their heads out of a number of fields. And the question is coming in, what do we spray them with now? How do we stop them? Well, because the beans are at R2, anything that we spray now is most likely going to come with a yield drag. We also have to worry about carryover of these herbicides into next year's crop. So in most cases, it's probably going to be better to start thinking about walking them out or cutting them with the combine. Here at CropTech, the guys have planted our last round of beans uh, to get ready for our field day as well as the Farm Journal Corn Soybean College. Invites for our field day will go out to the CropTech customers this week. Jeff up at Ritchie Grain is, is putting together a bus for you guys up there this year just like last year. So uh, give Nancy a call and get yourself a reserved spot on the bus. We're glad to have you guys down here. We are getting good sign up for the Corn Soybean College on July 24th, 25th. As of right now, we have people coming from 11 states, from Colorado to Maryland, North Dakota to North Carolina, as well as a good group coming out of two different provinces in Canada. So not only can you learn a lot in the classroom and out in our field sessions, but you get a chance to socialize with farmers from all over. And we know that's where the real learning comes from. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.